Well, as we enter into a new year, and this is our first evening service of the year 2022, uh, there's a lot of times in which we look back and we wonder at uh, what the Lord is doing in our lives in different circumstances that, that rise up in it. Uh, I, I think of some articles that I've read recently. I read of a man that took out the garbage uh, and in his zeal to do that, he ended up throwing away a hard drive that contained a Bitcoin on it, uh, the key for it. Don't really understand all that, but it was worth apparently $54 million. And so this man is, is still reeling with that and trying to figure out how he can get into the dump and get that money out. Uh, but oftentimes, uh, we also, as, as seasons of life change, look at uh, the different circumstances that come up. I think of ways in which a lot of times at graduations, we hear these uh, calls to, to look to the future and look at the different things that are happening. And I think particularly over the past couple of years, uh, we've seen a lot of our responses to end of the year's change uh, because we've seen this optimism of everything getting better at times to, well, I hope it's going to be better than 2020. I hope that it'll be better than 2021. And there's this kind of hesitancy going on. And I think what a lot of us uh, have in there is this question, because as we read the Word of God, we see very clearly that we have a sovereign God who has His hand in everything, and He's in control over all. And so, we understand that everything that happens is in God's providence, but in our minds, it's hard for us to understand how that relates to us and what this looks like. Uh, a prime example of that is if you look at your bulletin, uh, it says that Tim Grin is preaching tonight. As much as I would like to wait to point that out that I'm not after the service, seeing how it goes, I am not. Uh, Tim, he is in quarantine because he was exposed. And so, as I looked at what to do at the kind of the last minute of what to preach on, I had the choice to preach on what he was preaching or to, to do something different. And as I, in my quiet time, have been going through a book by John Flavel on God's providence, I thought it would be fitting tonight uh, to, to preach on that. And so uh, the, the, in his book about providence, he focuses in on one psalm. It's the, the foundation to which he uses to to bring forth uh, this wonderful um, reality of what God is doing in His creation and everything uh, in, his, in His will. And so that psalm is Psalm 57, um, and it is a wonderful psalm that I have grown to, to love even more over the past day and a half. And uh, as, as we look at that, I think it is helpful for us to have a little bit of context before we just dive in. Um, this psalm, the prescript uh, on it, is, is described as being written by David as he fled from Saul uh, in the cave. Uh, and so there's this idea where we, we get a, a picture already of, okay, here's David in a cave and he's fleeing from Saul. But there's a lot of a, a backstory to that that needs to be brought about and we need to, to recall in our minds, uh, in children's ministry, where I get to, to share with children a lot of the things of David, most of the books we read about David have all the kind of happy things that David has experienced in life. Uh, we think about him being anointed with oil uh, when Samuel comes and uh, anoints him, and all of his brothers are watching in dis dismay. Uh, we think about uh, 
where he goes and gets these stones and pulls them out of the river or creek and he takes down Goliath and there's this massive rejoicing. Uh, we also see how David uh, serves King Saul uh, in as a, as a musician, but also as a one that, uh, that is a warrior. And he goes out and the Lord blesses him tremendously. There's, there's great things happening in his life. He, he has a good friend, Saul's son, Jonathan, and he also has uh, a wife in which he is, is in this community, which he is excited about being in. But we also see that transform uh, as Saul begins to become jealous of David's success. We see at one point that Saul gets so agitated with him that he ends up throwing a spear at him, nearly missing him, and sticking in a wall. And so with that, there comes this, uh, this, area, or this season of, of life where David has to, to go on the run. And as he, he runs, uh, he leaves the comforts of his home. He leaves his wife. He leaves his family. He leaves his best friend, uh, who he knows he might not ever see again. And he heads off on his own. As he leaves, he's uh, helped by a priest uh, at, a, at the temple and uh, is fed and, and retrieves Goliath's sword. But in the process, Saul catches wind over what uh, has happened and is so intent on bringing hardship David's way and, and trying to eliminate him he actually goes forth and he kills 88 priests, not just the priests, but their families. And so this is the context in which uh, David is, is writing this psalm. So he had a season of, of life in which things seemed to be going really well, and then it has transitioned into this season in which he is really struggling to know his place and what it is. And so it's, it's really helpful for us uh, to understand that as we, as we go in. It's also helpful for us to, to look at this uh, passage itself, uh, that it is broken up um, literary uh, in, in kind of, this is, is not my skill area, but as I read different commentaries on it, uh, it has a certain structure to it that is helpful for us as we, as we interpret it and as we read it and apply it. Uh, so it basically starts, uh, has, a, has a, 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 a song of sorts, and then there's a refrain in verse 5, and then it starts again. And then it ends with a refrain in 11. And so basically there are two parts. Uh, in each of these parts, there are three sections. In each uh, part, it's, it starts with an A, B, and a C. And then we would think that it would go A, B, C again, but instead it goes C, B, A. So it starts kind of up and then it starts back down. But in this, there is the first time uh, David goes through it, he starts kind of low, and as he goes through it again, he's bringing up even higher. And so that's, that's the context, that's uh, some, some of the literary working of it. And so why don't I read it for us now uh, so that we can move on. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who, who fills his, fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down in the midst of fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Thus ends the reading of God's word. So just as, as an idea of how we're going to move through this psalm, we're going to look at the structure and we'll look at that A, B, C order I was talking about. And then after we look at that, we'll move into an application where we'll look at that A, B, C order and see how it applies to us, uh, ending with the refrain. So if we look at verse 1, which is, is point A, uh, we see how David is asking for God's mercy and understanding it. Uh, in that, he says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in your soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. When we hear this language of wings, uh, it, it brings to mind different uh, aspects of Scripture that we might be familiar with. Uh, you might be thinking of passages in, in Revelation where there's uh, an, or the, the eagle's wings. Uh, you might be thinking of maybe an exodus uh, that, that talks about wings as well there. Or maybe even the thought of the cherubim that are sitting on top of the Ark of the Covenant with their wings outstretched. But what David is explaining here is that uh, in the storms of life, there is this, this higher aspect in which he is finding his comfort, his ability to get underneath and to be sheltered from the storms in the midst of them underneath the shadow of what God is doing. And so you can imagine uh, for some of you children in here of, of, a, of a mother duck who has got all of their ducklings in and these wings that are wrapped around and as the, the rain and the storms and possibly the wind that could come in and blow some of these little ducklings around, there's protection there. There's this idea of the mercy being found under God's care. And David is understanding this in the life circumstances in. As he's in this cave, he's not just looking uh, to the caves surrounding as his, as his comfort, as the shield about him, but he's looking to the Lord. Uh, if we look down at verses 9 and 10, we see the, the kind of the, the building up of this, an even um, deeper understanding of, of what David is saying when he says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. And what we can see here is it's not just the wings that you're underneath now anymore that David is. It's, it's moved out into the clouds. It's moved into the nations. It's moved into all of God's creations, creation. And God is now um, being uh, lifted up and praised and given thanks for the reality that God is in control of all. And this is the, the part in which is starting to, to reveal that David is understanding God's providential care over all of the earth and everything in it. Uh, as we continue on, if we look at, at part B, it starts with verse 2 uh, and contains verse 2 and 3. It says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills 
his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. In, these, in this section, it's, it's dealing with David's relationship with the Lord. At first glance, it might look like David is, is just crying out here, but we see that David has, has a much greater understanding of who God is. This isn't just a stone creature or some image that has been made, but as David is crying out, as he is, is seeing God's mercy and understanding of all of how the world works, he has this relationship with the Father where he is offering up these requests to the Lord, and he also sees that from heaven the Lord is responding to him. It's, it's coming back down, and so it is this relationship that goes back and forth. Uh, we see the, the second part of this in verse 7 and 8 when he says, My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory, awake, O harp and lyre. I awake the dawn. I will awake the dawn. And so this is that relationship being flushed out even more in the reality in which David is understanding the, the, the way in which his relationship allows him to find his foundation in God's love, that this steadfast love is being poured out upon him and that he can remember the Lord's covenant. He can remember the blessings and the and being anointed even in the difficult times that he's experiencing that there is God's providential hand in this, that there is a purpose for everything that he is going through, even though he doesn't necessarily understand it or see it. But he can understand that as God is good, and through that we see that it awakens his soul and that he wants to sing forth because of it. And then that leads us to our part C, which uh, how David relates to his enemies in light of God's providence. He says, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. In this, we see that David's response isn't that he's sugarcoating things. Oftentimes in my own life, when I read scripture, I think to myself, well, I don't know if these individuals that are writing this really understand how hard life is in my day and time. But the reason I started with the context is because I think it helps us understand that David was really wrestling with difficult things. He legitimately had a man who he was trying to honor and respect throw a spear at him and try and kill him. He had him also go out and kill priests that he was supposed to serve and protect and murder them and their children all because of what is going on in life. And David is, is a witness to all of this. And there's this aspect in which he is, is looking at the world and saying, you know, this, this is hard. This is really difficult. What do I do when these enemies are around me? Uh, particularly in this, you know, David, there's not a whole lot of, of in there of where David has done anything to try and overthrow Saul's kingdom. In this, it's, it's Saul being jealous. David, over and over again, whenever opportunities arise for him to raise up and to go against God's anointed king, he, he, he rejects that and says, no, how, how dare I? And so in this, there's, there's this idea that not only is he physically being attacked, but with these words that are being spoken, he's also, his, his, his uh, character is being attacked in this and with these sharp words. 
And so as we see this continue on, we see David's response as he, as he th- contemplates this more in light of God's providence. He says, They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. And this is where David starts to acknowledge and understand that in these challenges of life, that these things are happening for a purpose, that as these challenges are so difficult and as they are continuing to to crop up and he sees more and more men that he maybe was in battle with, maybe uh, those that that looked at his his ability to to do things are trying to set traps to, to get fame with the current king, or maybe they're just trying to put this man down that they're jealous of, Uh, he sees that these traps are actually turning into traps for these individuals. He's seeing how God is making them uh, the the stumbling block and their ability to fall into them themselves. David understands that God's providential hand is at work, even though he can't see it or is not in a circumstance of life where he can understand exactly what's going on to it. And then how we see this wonderful refrain where he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And this we really get to see the heart of David where we see him and he is, he is proclaiming that while all of this is going on, while all of this trouble in his life, while he's, he's on the run, that he really wants glory to be given to the Lord. He wants it to be throughout the world. He wants God's glory to be known by everyone because God is worthy of all the glory. And so in that, as, as good Presbyterians that like, should hearken us to the idea of the Westminster Confession of Faith where it says, what is the chief end of man? And it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And this is that wonderful truth in which um, in it, David can find wonderful rest knowing that God is, is about his glory and the amazing thing he does. So with that, now that we've, we've talked and kind of walked through these different parts, I think it, it's, it's worthy of us looking at a few application from each section. So if we start looking at that, uh, see how uh, David deals with his enemies. In our own lives, uh, we come up with enemies. And I think at this point, it's worth describing that David is a, a follower of the Lord, that he is one of the Lord's children. And if you are not one of the Lord's children, that means you are an enemy of the Lord. And so that this warning of they will fall into the, the traps that are laid before is a warning for those that think that they can somehow on their own good works make it uh, to the Lord and see and do something pleasing in his sight. As Pastor Griffith preached during, or um, as he prayed during our, our, our pastoral prayer, we, we know the gospel. We know how Jesus came and lived the perfect life, how he persevered all kinds of hardships and did it perfectly. He also died and he rose from the grave so that not only could our sins be removed and washed from us and that we could be made clean, but also Jesus' perfect works are applied to us so that we can be clothed in his righteousness, in his good works. And so as we approach the Father, that we can be found at peace with him and we're no longer his enemies. And so with that, we need to be encouraged and we need to be reminded of what the Lord has promised to do for those uh, that he loves. 
So I would ask that you would consider that tonight if you're at war with the Lord. Also, uh, for us that are believers, we do deal with enemies. Oftentimes uh, in our lives, they're not necessarily called enemies. Uh, they might be called a sibling. It might be called a coworker. It might be somebody from a previous job or maybe even a neighbor that you rubbed the wrong way or for some reason there is a frustration that is drawn up in life. We shouldn't be surprised as followers of Christ because as we live out a life that is pursuing the Lord, we know that we will make enemies in our lives that are frustrated. But oftentimes it becomes a frustrating thing to us because we are concerned at why these enemies seem to, to set traps for us, why they seem to frustrate us. And for me, one of the things that helps perspective-wise was in that book that I was telling about John Flavel. He gives an illustration about a man that hadn't seen uh, his brother in a really long time, for several years. And as this uh, brother came in, he, they embraced, they hugged each other, they cried over the excitement. But as that excitement started to fade, uh, he started uh, to talk to his brother and realized that his brother was not walking with the Lord and that he had gone wayward and that he no longer was in relationship. And as the conversation went on, he eventually leaves and he goes into his room and he shuts the door and he, he falls down and he collapses. And in my reading it, I thought, well, he's going to be collapsed because he's so sad and so grieved over his lost brother. But the, the, the way in which the man is actually grieved and so overwhelmed is because he realizes that he has the same DNA, he had the same life experiences, but for some reason God chose him. Instead of his brother being the one and, and him not necessarily seeing the gospel, he has been able to see God has called him out of the darkness and into the light, and he was overwhelmed at what that means and the benefits that it is to him and how he can make sense of it, and it allows him to fuel his ministry moving forward. So I think that helps apply to us how we deal with our enemies. Are we showing our gratitude for the Lord that we have been called out of darkness and into light? Are we looking for ways to give praise and to point others to the Lord and understanding that these things will happen and that we can respond in an appropriate God-centered way? If we look at an application for that part B, we, we ask the question, what kind of relationship do you have with the Lord? Uh, for many of us, as we look at New Year's resolutions, we, we think of exercise, we think of diet, but particularly for Christians, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to commit different aspects of our lives uh, to focus on the Lord, whether that's reading through the Bible in a year or whether that's uh, to, to join together as a church and to have this prayer focus. But in that, we, as we think of the relationship, what comes up regularly in this church, and I'm so thankful for it, is we are reminded in our relationship with the Lord, He has given us and blessed us with the ordinary means of grace, the ways in which that we can grow in relationship with Him through prayer, through reading the Word, through sitting underneath the preaching, through the sacraments that we'll get to enjoy, the ways in which He reminds us over and over again of His faithfulness, the ways in which we can look and our hearts can cry out um, that they're steadfast in the Lord is because they're so grounded in what the Lord is doing and what he's taught and has done that we will give praise even in the hardest of circumstances. And so as we move on and we look at uh, point A in application, uh, there is 
uh, this idea that as we continue on, are you giving praise to your Creator and to your Savior? As we look at uh, the hardships in our lives, as we look at the seasons in which we are in the cave, it's oftentimes difficult for us to see uh, the pathway, to see a path forward. It's often uh, in caves a very difficult thing to know where to step, where not to. It can be disorienting, um, and it can be really hard for our eyes to gain focus. Um, But in those seasons, there is a purpose. There is a way in which the Lord is doing amazing things. And I think David here is recognizing that he understands God's purpose in these. And so as we look at these hardships in, lives, in our lives, we need to understand and put uh, to our focus that the Lord is providential in his hand. He is sovereign and that inside of his will, he's doing amazing things. We need to be able to look to our past. We need to look at how the Lord has called us out of darkness and into light. We need to look at the ways in which he has sanctified us, the ways in which old sins that used to be so easy for us to fall into are now oftentimes harder. We need to look at ways in which the Lord has exposed different sins to us. We need to look at our current life circumstances. I can think of many in our congregation that have this year been really struggling with the difficulties that have come up in family life, that have come up in our own church, that have come up in in work situations, and how to deal with the different governmental powers that are at be. And as we look to those, we need to look up and realize that the Lord is in control over all of them and that he's orchestrating them for his perfect and good will. And we also need to look to the future because in the future, we recognize that the Lord has a perfect plan in which his son will return and that he will call all of his chosen people home. And so there is this great uh, finish line in which God's people are striving for and we are to, as we were reminded this morning, to, to armor up and we are to run the race well and we are to cast off all of our burdens that are weighing us down. And so as we look to our final application before we head to the table, the, the, the question I'd like to leave you with is, How are you going to respond to God's providence in the year 2022? What is your refrain as you continue to see the Lord work and do different things? Uh, Will it be the Westminster Confession of Faith? Your chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And in that, uh, we cannot go wrong. We cannot go wrong to, to give back glory back to the Lord and to in it find enjoyment in Him. So with that, let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the ways in which you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, and the way that um, you have allowed us to be able to come into your presence to offer up prayers, to be able to have your word in which we can see you more clearly, to have others that have gone before us in the faith that can point to us, that have gone through hardships and difficult times but remained faithful. So, Lord, we pray that you would allow us to be a faithful people. We pray that you would grow and strengthen us this future year. We pray that you would be with individuals as they look to this coming year and and set goals and plans. Lord, I pray that you would be at the forefront and that we would see amazing things uh, through your spirit moving. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.